Hello, hello. Welcome to The V-Hive, your go-to podcast for all things women's intimate health. I'm your host, Hannah, here to discuss the many questions you've always had about your body but never wanted to ask. Whether it relates to sex, chronic pain, trauma, relationships, healing, hormones, spirituality, and so much more, we are normalizing taboos, breaking down the complexities of the female body, and providing you with the information you need to take your health into your own hands. Before we get into this week's episode, which is absolutely incredible and I am so excited for you guys to hear it. I want to quickly tell you all if you don't already know about the new V-Hive candles. They are hand poured made with soy wax and plant-based fragrance oils made in New York. The scent is vetiver, softwoods, and musk. They're so pretty. They smell so good. The wax is light pink so when the candle burns it literally is just this pink glowing color. They're amazing and all the proceeds obviously go to supporting the beehive. So please check them out, buy one, um, support this podcast. It really means a lot to me. You can buy them at thebeehive.com. And I also want to quickly mention that I just added a new page to the website. So under the shop tab, there is a sub tab called products I love and I have put all of my favorite products there that I have discount codes to so you can easily just see the product the discount code the percentage that you'll get off and I just wanted to create this for you guys because now all of the products that I share are curated in one place so you can see them and access the discount codes so check out the candles check out the new products I love page and Let's get right into the episode. Hi, Dan. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm super excited that you're here, and I know everyone listening is going to be very excited to hear this episode because all of the VHive listeners seem to be absolutely fascinated by the world of mind-body medicine. So the more people I have on here to talk about this important topic is just so exciting for me. Great. Glad to be here. So for those who are not familiar with Dan's work, I'm sure most people listening are, but Dan Buglio is a chronic pain coach who specializes in TMS and mind-body syndrome and is the founder of a brand called Pain Free You. He has an amazing YouTube channel. I think you upload a video every day. Yeah, for for a little over a year and a half, I've been doing a daily video, gets uploaded to YouTube, and I also have a uh, Facebook page and a private group on Facebook under the same brand name, Pain for You. So if anybody wants to join there, they can. Amazing. And I mean, honestly, one of the reasons that I love your work so much is because it's so digestible. It makes so much sense. It's so easy to just, you know, in the morning, your videos are like usually under 10 minutes. You can watch them. You can, and then if you miss a week, you can watch them all at the end of the week. And it's just like little pieces of information that make literally so much sense. So first, I just want to thank you for the work that you do. And I cannot wait for everyone to hear more about your story and all of the information that you're going to share with us today. Sounds great. Thank you. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about your story 
and you know how you really started your work in this field well a couple things just disclaimer i am not a doctor i'm not a licensed psychotherapist i'm not a psychiatrist I'm no formal designations here but what i do have is about 24 years in either living with chronic pain or once i got rid of it continuing to study it and participate in this i'll say the chronic pain community the tms community um so everything that i've got is kind of homegrown self-study um so if people are looking for a doctor's opinion dr schubner unlearn your pain he's one of the leading medical doctors in this space but i'm a guy who's just kind of synergizing everything i've kind of picked up over the past 24 years and trying to explain it in a way um, that is really easily digestible and more importantly actionable as to what you can actually do not just learn Mm -hmm. Um, so to my story it's fairly embarrassing it all started in my early 30s and uh my first episode of major back pain was when I bent over to put on my underwear one morning before work. And uh, who would have thought that that would have started 13 years of, of on and off pain and chronic pain, you know, in the latter half of that. Um, it was an interesting journey. Um, knowing what I know now, I understand exactly why it happened. But for the first 12 months, I absolutely dove into the medical model doctors, muscle relaxants, pain meds, chiropractic, massage. Um, They did an x-ray, degenerative disc disease, but nothing significant. So there was no real need for significant medical intervention. It was more of just how to manage it. Um, So I'm glad for that. It's not like somebody said, you got a bulging disc here, let's do surgery. Mm -hmm. I didn't get sucked into that model which was great. About a year into my journey with this pain, um, I was listening to the radio and I heard Howard Stern, the DJ who was very popular, you know, through the eighties and nineties talking about Dr. John Sardo and how John Sardo saved his life. And for those of you who don't know Howard Stern's story, he used to conduct the radio show laying on his back with a microphone dangling in his face Mm -hmm. for for the time when he was in significant back pain. So when I heard that from Howard Stern, I immediately went out, got Sarno's book, uh, Healing Back Pain, and reasonably quick, I felt better. Um, Unfortunately, a couple months later, whammo, the pain came back. And so that was my up and down journey for the first year or two after hearing about Dr. Sarno. And of course it was great because, you know, the minute you hear about this mind-body disorder, this mind-body syndrome, Dr. Sarno's theory of TMS, many of us say, wow, the fear is gone. I'm not broken, this is awesome. And then we oftentimes will see significant reduction of pain, if not complete, you know, reduction. But unfortunately, for many of us, I would venture to say most of us, uh, the pain comes back or it shows up in a new location. And uh, in my world, I got increasingly more and more frustrated that I got rid of it the first time. I know what's going on, so why am I still hurting? Why does it keep coming back? And that, that led to the next 12 years of up and down results with this whole mind-body 
world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when people say, oh, my God, Dan, it took you 13 years to get out of pain. I don't have 13 years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. the first thing I will tell you is I did not have the cheat sheet. Mm. Um, the people listening to this podcast have the benefit of Facebook groups, podcasts, YouTube videos. At this point now, dozens and dozens of books on mind body and what to do about it, how to retrain your brain. It's not just me. There's a whole bunch of people out there that are really jumping on this bandwagon. Mm -hmm. And um, so the people currently have much, much more information and kind of a pathway laid out in front of them where they get better really fast. For me, I had to figure it out. The only thing that was available to me was an old style bulletin board in the 90s and early 2000s. I think it was called tmshelp.com. And I think it's still out there. And it's still a great bulletin board where there's a lot of great discussions. But that was it. That and Sarno's books. And if you've read any of Howard, uh, not Howard, uh, Dr. Sarno's books, you'll note that, like, you know, the book might be 190 pages. And there's maybe a page and a half of what to actually do. Right. <laughs> and the what to do is fairly vague. You know, talk to your brain, think psychological, mm-hmm. reject the physical, resume physical activity. And it's like, okay, well, I did all that stuff for 12 years. Yeah. And, and the only conclusion I could come to was I'm doing it wrong. Dr. Sarno, what do you mean talk to my brain? I must be talking to my brain wrong because I still have pain. Or I must not be thinking psychologically correctly because I still have pain. And, you know, you read, you hear, you see on this forum, people are journaling. So I did that for a long time. And I journaled myself into a depression because all I was doing was focusing on everything that was wrong with my life, not just the back pain. I've heard that a lot from a lot of people. Every possible thing that ever went wrong in my life, I journaled myself into believing that this childhood that I thought was pretty good. I had a good childhood. I all of a sudden journaled by way into believing that it sucked and that it was awful. And then I journaled myself into thinking that my current life sucked too. And you know, what you focus on tends to grow and magnify. And, uh, and that's why journaling didn't help me get better. Um, so I, I went through a lot of permutations towards the end of the process Um, I was married at the time and my wife at the time says you're crooked and I don't know if you've seen the pictures but um, I was very very misaligned Mm -hmm. uh, towards the end of my chronic pain journey like my shoulders were tilted my spine looked like a C curve you know the hips were out of balance I walked with a limp Um, my head was tilted because my shoulders were tilted and um, I had developed a lot of dysfunction now, I was blessed because, you know, I had gotten familiar with who Dr. Schubner was, and I sent him a picture of my imbalances, and I said, hey, what do you think? And uh, one big aha moment for me was him telling me, he goes, Dan, you're not in pain because you're crooked. He goes, you're crooked because you are in pain. So in other words, the crookedness was the result of over a decade of pain not necessarily the cause of it, right? Because when I started, I wasn't crooked. Mm -hmm. I got into pain and I would compensate and I would sit in the chair, leaned over to the left, leaning on the left armrest because it was more comfortable. I would sit in the car that way. I would do all these things that were more comfortable but developed all these muscle imbalances. Right. 
And, uh, you know, I went to physical therapy towards the end of this journey saying, you know, the pain's tolerable. I can live with it, but look how jacked up I am. I want to straighten out. And that was a big mistake because I went from a level two or three out of 10 pain up to about a chronic eight all the time. And uh, just because three days a week or six weeks, I had professionals looking at me crooked. You ever see a dog like tilt their head when they're confused? Yeah. I had these medical professionals, these physical therapy experts looking at me like that with their head tilted. Wow, you're messed up. We've never seen anybody this crooked and basically convinced me three times a week. So what's that about three hours a week, 18 hours worth of professionals looking at you like you're broken you actually start believing it. And again, over that six weeks, my pain got worse and worse and worse. And I can imagine that some of the folks listening to this, Mm -hmm. the more medical professionals they went to, the more diagnoses they got, the more they researched on Dr. Google, Wikipedia, WebMD, and seen all of these medical terms that are fairly authoritative and scary. And then, you know, the, the, the sub bullets underneath it said people with such and such also experience this, this, and that. And then they go, oh my God, I hope I don't get that too. And sure enough, a week later, they've got those other symptoms. And this is how people can go from one symptom to many. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I worked with a lady, not even worked with, I spoke to a lady who was in a complete panic because she listed and had literally 42 different symptoms, which all started with one symptom. And then all the research and doctors and prognoses and diagnoses led her into six months later having 42 symptoms. And she knew because she counted them. She was that um, hyper-focused on it. And so every physical sensation became a danger alarm that says, oh no, I've got that too. Mm And so that's how we can go down this slippery slope um, towards massive symptoms. And uh, what happens at every step down that slope is that just that the fear and the anxiety, for you know, and the freak out increases at every every turn. And unfortunately, all of these chronic symptoms, whether it be straight ahead pain, whether it be neurological muscle um, headaches back aches, neck aches, you name it, digestive issues, uh, even some autoimmune issues. A lot of this stuff is all mind-body driven, mm-hmm. but they're all fueled by fear and focus and the, and the subsequent anxiety that the symptoms produce. Um, and the great news is once you recognize that what fuels it and feeds it, we know the way out. Yeah. And, and find a way through accurate information to turn down the fear. Let's shift our attention away from the symptoms because staring at them is not going to help. And let's, by using accurate information and our intelligent, reassuring parenting self to reassure ourselves that we're okay, we can start to turn down the fear levels and therefore the anxiety levels. We can start to return our focus back to living our life instead of staring at our symptoms all day long. And these things can make a huge difference in the fear levels. And if that's how things become chronic, fear, focus, and anxiety, you can turn off those things. It's no longer chronic. They'll go away, literally. Yeah. And so, I mean, I want to talk 
in, in greater length about those three things amongst several other things. But before... Yeah, sorry. Went on a little ramble no, there. No, so no, no, no. Guide the call wherever you want it. <laughs> no, that was great. Thank you for sharing all of that because it's super helpful for me and for everyone listening to hear. But I want to first have you explain what TMS and mind-body syndrome are. Again, mm-hmm. I assume most people listening are familiar with this since i've i've done other episodes in the past you know that are related but um let's definitely just spend a minute going over that again because i think it's always helpful to have a little bit of a refresher okay so dr sarno is the guy who first popularized this i'm sure there's other people who connected mind and body before but he's the guy who started writing books about it and started saying that most chronic pains particularly back pain, which is kind of where he made his start, but then it expanded into an infinite number of other types of pains or symptoms. He figured this stuff out. He was working at uh, the Rusk Institute of Health in New York City as a rehabilitation doctor, and he found that you know the typical medical treatments were very unsuccessful, and he started, started connecting the dots when people would say, oh yeah, and I've also got this ulcer, or I've got this stomach problem, I've got tension headaches. And he started saying, well, well, maybe they're all connected. And he started asking more and more questions of his patients. And he developed these theories. And later on in his career, he developed the theories about the repressed emotions and all that kind of stuff. Currently, TMS essentially, in simple, non-scientific terms, means we're feeling our unfelt emotions in our bodies. And our bodies can become dysregulated, both from a nervous system standpoint, digestive, immune system. A whole host of symptoms can come up, simply put, due to stress, tension, and what I like to call unresolved emotions. Um, Dr. Sarno theorized, you know, it's the repressed emotions that start to bubble up close to consciousness, and the brain decides that's too intense, scary, even dangerous. So here's some pain to distract you from this emotional world. And it works exceptionally well because you could be really stressed out, but when all of a sudden you become consumed by back pain, pelvic pain, migraines, you name it, all of a sudden, you know, the fights with your spouse don't mean too much because you're trying to survive. So it works as a very effective distraction. Some of the newer doctors like Dr. Schubner, Dr. David Clark, Dr. Hanscom kind of believe it's a little bit more of a reaction in the body to all of this. Uh, overwhelming unfelt emotional energy right so Mm -hmm. is it a distraction yes is it a reaction yes and some people even go to the extent that this is a message this is your body giving you a message to go there's some stuff you need to attend to so distraction reaction message maybe 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 yes 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 doesn't matter at the end of the day the core message is you're not broken. Your body's actually fine already. Yeah. You're just feeling things in your body that aren't being felt emotionally, kind of in your heart. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, the good news is, and what I stress over and over and over again is, we don't have to figure out exactly the physiological mechanism between the brain, the nervous system, the body, where we're feeling the pain, why the pain matters. I mean, we can guess and come up with a message to go, okay, yes, somebody with sexual trauma 
it's not unheard of to end up with pelvic pain as a woman or even as a man um, to protect you from further sexual trauma. I'm sure that's a very common thing yeah. in the community that you're operating in. Yeah. But it doesn't always have to be that. It could, it could be a little bit more random. And the good news is whether you can connect the dots and say, yes, sexual trauma, uh, therefore I have pelvic pain, great. If you can identify that, wonderful. But if you can't and you can't really figure out why or where it came from, just knowing that it's a mind-body disorder and it could be simply a matter of too many danger signals in life, right? You watch your parents fight when you're three years old. When you're six, they divorce. When you're eight, your brother and you know, your brothers start beating the crap out of each other. And each time that you go through some type of a traumatic event, what happens? Our nervous system gets more and more on high alert. We become more ready to people please so that we stay out of trouble and stay safe. And we, you know, lurk silently in the background and don't open our mouths because we don't want to cause trouble and we don't want to like, and, and we develop all these coping mechanisms and, you know, over the years, our nervous system just becomes more and more and more hyper alert to any type of danger. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It doesn't have to be a sexual trauma. It could be somebody got in a car accident and it was just that tipping point where the nervous system went, oh my God, the world's an unsafe place. Yeah, I had no control over that. Somebody hit me out of the blue and it, it wasn't just the car accident that caused you know, a whole host of symptoms. It was this nervous system that over our lifetimes just became more and more sensitive and hypervigilant. And it could just take one argument with somebody or it could take, you know, losing a job or losing a grandparent. And it's that tipping point. It's like all these emotions and all this stress and tension accumulate. Mm -hmm. And at a certain point in time, we end up with symptoms. Yeah. And it can be any number of things. So TMS is kind of like that. And the good news is, the core message is, you don't have to figure out exactly what triggered it or what caused it because it was probably not one thing. It may have been a hundred things. I think you don't have to figure it out. Yeah, I think that's a good <clears> point. All you got to do is teach your brain that you're actually still okay. Mm-hmm. And it all is geared, everything I do is geared towards teaching the brain that, you know what, we don't need these physical symptoms because we replace all of this emotional stress, tension, overwhelm with now this fixation on our body and what's wrong with our body. And it must be this type of neuralgia or that type of nerve pain or this type of, you know, pinched nerve or you name it. And we become so hyper focused on what's broken in our body Mm -hmm. that we completely forget what led us there from an emotional stress tension standpoint. So that was a long version of what is TMS, but the bottom line is, it's a manifestation in the body of symptoms. Any type of symptoms could be hundreds, thousands of different possible symptoms that are as a result of the emotional stress tension phenomenon that the brain somehow manifests into the body. Mm-hmm. And something else that I know you talk about a lot that is a big part of TMS is the meaning that we give our pain. I want you to talk more about this and I'm just going to relate it to pelvic pain for a minute since Mm -hmm. that's really what draws most people um, listening to this. But 
you know, if someone, if a woman listening has pelvic pain or let's say painful sex, they give that so much meaning in the sense that, and I'm not blaming anyone or saying that that's, you know, wrong because I've had a lot of these issues and it obviously affects your life in such a profound way, but you do give it so much meaning in that it identifies who you are, what you can do, how you can live your life, how you think of yourself, how you feel. Um, I mean, like everything. And I guess that's kind of similar with any form of chronic pain, but I think pelvic pain in specific really... More intimate. It's more intimate, exactly. And women give it like, you know, it defines you as a woman if you can't be sexual and you can't, you know, if, if you can't go out and you can't meet people and you can't be intimate with your partner and you can't do so many things. And I think it's really important to have you explain how we can stop giving the pain so much meaning. Yeah. So, I mean, everything that you just described to me, the words that jumped to my mind was a new level of feeling broken. Mm -hmm. Right. Because it's not just, I have physical pain. It's what does that mean about my life and my future and who I am? Yeah. And I'm not a complete woman if I cannot engage in sexual activity in a pleasurable way. I cannot please my man, which means I'm going to be single forever or I'm going to lose my current husband or partner or boyfriend. And, you know, there's all sorts of shame and yeah. guilt. So much And there's shame. all sorts of despair and sadness. It's like, why am I so broken? And I can only imagine it from the woman's perspective, but I'm 55 and I've, I was married for a long time and I've dated a number, you know, before and after. And I, and I also participate in this space. So I can only imagine that it's as significantly meaningful as man who has erection problems mm-hmm. yeah, because he can't perform. And that must mean that he's not a real man and, you know, I can relate to that more so, not through my own experience, but just as a man. And so it's all tied into this self-image. Who am I? And, you know, you take away something that's an inherent part of being human, sexuality, and now you don't feel complete. You're not a complete human. So how do you get out of, you know, feeling this way? You know, that, that's a little bit of a challenging question to ask, but most of what I do is recognizing that there's nothing broken down there. So how do you get out of it? You know, again, I believe the core message is you're not broken. You're not broken physically. Got to get to that point where you understand that. Because without that, if you still think it's a pelvic floor issue or a neurological or pudendal neuralgia or whatever the terms may be, if you think it is a physical medical thing, it's going to be really hard to teach your brain to shut it all off and, and resume normal function down there. Yeah. Right. So you got to get to the point where you know you're not broken physically. This is just a manifestation in the nervous system, uh, the stress response, the, you know, the mind body stuff that. You guys have probably heard a dozen times, but you're not broken physically. But the other part, which is equally important, is you're not broken mentally and you're not broken emotionally either. You may feel that way, but understand these are normal coping mechanisms that the brain has adapted 
throughout our lifetimes. And again, it's it may not be just one traumatic event. In some cases it could be, but it may just be a lifetime of, you know, mm-hmm. stressful emotional events and physical events. And um, at the end of the day, dissecting how we got into this mess, we can spend years doing that and still be no closer to resolving it because if you're all your focus is spent looking in the rearview mirror trying to dissect how did i get here mm-hmm. as opposed to just accepting the core basic what i believe is a fact and principle is that you're not broken you're just you're just manifesting all of this unfelt emotions and stress into your body and if we can teach the brain that you're actually currently safe we don't have to dissect why and how we got here. We just know what to do to move forward. And that's really what I focus most of my daily videos on is the core message. You're not broken. Here's what we need to do to teach it. I talk about all sorts of things, which we can get into. Yeah. But I, I don't know if that actually, you know, addressed the question you posed, but that's kind of my take. No, it does. Definitely it does. And what I want to ask you is, and I, and I know this is, you know, you probably have a, a lot of ways and answers to this. And your YouTube mm-hmm. channel is definitely something that I would highly recommend everyone uh, go subscribe to and watch because there's so much information there. But if you had to give any advice or ways that people could start to detach from the meaning whether it's like i don't i don't know if it's you know med that you recommend like meditations or journal prompts or talk telling yourself certain things or certain habits or daily practices that people can kind of start to do to help them understand and learn that they are okay they are not broken yeah so I don't think there's just one thing to do. Like mm-hmm. some people say, oh, I've been journaling for six months. I'm no better. Yeah. I, I think there's several core concepts that are principles of healing and getting better. Right. Uh, it's not just one thing. It's kind of like a recipe. There might be seven ingredients in there. And if you put four of them in the bowl, mix it up, throw it in the oven, you're not getting a cake. Right. You need all seven. Right. You skip the flour and the and the butter and the eggs, I'm sorry. (laughs) The batter is just not going to turn into a cake on its own. So we can get a lot of this stuff right, but if we're missing a couple of things, and I don't like the term making mistakes, but if we're kind of screwing up on a couple of these core areas but getting other things right, um, you may still not relieve yourself of these symptoms. Mm. So I think foundationally we want to understand what is going on what is tms that's what we're talking about initially here you know it's this mind body syndrome it's this manifestation and physical symptoms that come about as a result of our overwhelming scary dangerous and even perceived as uh, emotions that don't even fit with our self-image my example there is um i was always kind of like this happy-go-lucky guy who nothing ever bothered me nothing ever really got me riled up it's because I had a really angry father and I vowed I never want to be an angry asshole like him. And so anytime I got angry, what did I do with that anger? I swept it under the rug. 
And so emotions that don't even fit with their own self-image can be particularly troublesome because we tend to resist and repress and push them away and they accumulate and build up. And you know, one girl I, uh, I worked with a few years ago, her mother and brother were both diagnosed with bipolar disorder. So what do you think she perceived of anger and rage? That if she got if she got angry or enraged, that she was mentally ill, just like her mother and brother. Mm. So she's a young, you know, a young late twenties girl with a boyfriend, and anytime he would piss her off, nope, she had to be kind because she was never going to be like her mother and brother because she didn't want to be mentally ill. And so everybody's got their stories. Everybody's got their. Um, the lessons they've learned, the things they've picked up over the years. Most of it's when we're little. You know, if you were taught that anger is not allowed because of the way your parents raised you, and I don't know, there's all sorts of ways that we can come up to the conclusion that emotions are not safe and they don't fit with our self-image. So knowledge is a key area. And the knowledge is that emotions are safe. We're designed to feel emotions and we resist them. That's kind of what gets us into this mess. Um, so I'll get into it in a little bit, but feeling emotions is obviously part of it. And you mentioned journaling. That's just one possible method of feeling emotions, but foundationally knowledge. If you don't know what this mind body stuff is, you're going to constantly believe the doctors that say you're broken physically, right? So knowledge is fundamental. If you don't have that, I don't care how well you journal about your emotions. If you still think you're broken physically, you're missing the mark, right? Um, what else is important? Not just the knowledge, but also the assessment. Does this fit for me? Mm -hmm. Does it apply to me? And there are very specific ways you can do that. If you go to yourpaintest.com, that will redirect you to my site, danbuglio.com. And there's a pain test there. It's 10 questions. And it'll ask you certain questions about your personality type, how the pain started, characteristics of the pain. And very quickly, in a few minutes, you can get a score. Anything over 29 basically means you've got this mind-body disorder and you can get better. All right. And so it's a nice, quick way of doing a quick assessment. You want to get a little bit more involved. Um, Dr. Schubner. Dr. Clark, Dr. Hanscomb, Dr. Schechter, these guys have put together an organization called the PPD Association. Um, And so they have a series of questions on their website that you can go through. And the more of them you say yes to, the more likely it is that you also have this mind-body syndrome, right? PPDassociation.org forward slash symptoms, answer the 30 questions and you'll get a really good sense. So those are two of the assessments, but just knowing what TMS is, 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 is important, but until you connect the dots and say, yes, this is what applies for me too. Again, you're only halfway there. So knowledge assessment. And then once you get that assessment, it says, yes, this is all mind body. Your body's not broken. You got to accept that. Because if you constantly reject that and say, no, I must, it must be physical, must be physical, your brain's not going to let go of the symptoms because you still think your body's broken, right? It all kind of works together. Um, so knowledge assessment 
now into the process or the practices that you were asking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a designated way or suggested way of feeling emotions, but I do suggest that we become a little bit more open to feeling our emotions on a regular basis. Yeah. Does that mean 30 minutes in the morning of journaling? If you'd like, does that mean just noticing throughout the day when you're feeling particularly upset and just pausing for, you know, 60 seconds and sitting with that emotion that could work. Some people do somatic tracking and say, all right, between my chin and my belly button, what emotions am I feeling? Cause we oftentimes feel our emotions in those areas, right? I'm all choked up. I've got a heavy heart, but like a kick in the gut tends to be that these negative emotions show up between our chin and our, our belt. That's interesting. And yeah, it is. But you know, we've heard those phrases most of our lives for a reason. I'm all choked up. Right. What does that mean? It means you're sad. You like you feel it in your neck. Got a heavy heart with grief. You lost a boyfriend. You lost a grandmother or a parent or whatever. Oh, that feels like a weight is on your chest, right? And you know, unfortunately, many of us are hurt by other people. How many times have you heard this statement? Felt like a kick in the gut when I caught, you know, my boyfriend or girlfriend cheating or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, yeah, if, if people are having a tough time getting in touch with what their emotional world is and they try to journal and they got a blank page and they stare at the blank page and go, I have no idea. Sometimes you're sitting quietly and breathing slowly and deeply and just paying attention to what's going on from your chin to your belt line. Notice if you feel anything and just ask yourself, what am I feeling right now? Yeah. It feels like anger. Okay. Well, you can do that at any point during the day. You know, let's say you're at work and you're upset about something. You don't have to explode at the people you're upset with. You can just go to the the ladies room and just for 60 seconds, just check in and go, oh, what am I feeling? I'm really like seething with anger, rage, whatever. Because once we feel an emotion, it tends to pass much quicker than if you try to shove it away. Yeah. Right. Because you shove it away and resist it. All you've done is throw it in a backpack and put it on your back. And now you're carrying it around with the other 75,000 pieces of anger that you've resisted over, over your lifetime. So That's a good feel analogy. your emotions. Yeah. But then it, here's where you get into teaching your brain that you're okay. Well, first of all, feeling your emotions is still teaching your brain. What are you teaching it? That emotions mm-hmm. are safe. Right? If you remember, TMS is all of this overwhelming unresolved unfelt emotions that kind of accumulate and eventually spill out and we end up with symptoms well if you get into if you become the type of person who allows yourself to feel the emotions more in real time on a regular basis they don't accumulate guess what there's no more need for symptoms to explode out of nowhere as a result of too much accumulated unfelt emotional energy so Feeling your emotions teaches the brain that these emotions are safe. Mm-hmm. Most of what I do is all about messages of safety, knowledge about what TMS is. Oh, I can take the fear and turn that dial down because I am safe now because I know what's going on. I've done the assessment and I know that this absolutely applies to me because all these experts, these medical doctors who have designed these tests say, yeah, if you have these characteristics and these personality traits and these stressors and these 
It is TMS, this mind-body syndrome. Got it. What does that do to your fear? Turns it down, right? Messages of safety. So you got the knowledge, you got the assessment, you've accepted that. You're feeling your emotions, teaching yourself that it's normal, it's healthy to feel these emotions, even the scary, dark, dangerous, ugly ones that most people don't like, mm-hmm. right? And then we go, move on to the soothing part. The rest of what I talk about is all about teaching your nervous system and your brain to calm down, right? How do we do that? Soothe the body. People talk about meditation, breathing exercises. Um, I say pick whatever works for you. I don't have a specific way. I'm not going to tell you to do boxed breathing or a certain structured breathing. Uh, some people say, well, you got to breathe in for a certain count and then out for longer. So the exhale is longer than the inhale, and that has an effect on the, you know, the nervous system. I don't have a prescribed way of doing it. Whatever works for you. That could be sitting in the bath. It could be sitting out in the backyard in the sunshine. Could be taking a walk in the woods. Could be, you know, playing with your dog. It could be just sitting on the couch breathing and just intentionally letting your body relax, right? Because so many of us spend our days and nights with our shoulders up and we're tense and we kind of look like we're expecting to get slapped in a second, right? We're always tense and, and on on alert. So soothing, soothe your body, however works for you. There's not one way, there's probably dozens of ways that it'll work. Uh, but also calming down your thinking. This is this is crucial because what happens? You're walking around freaking out that you think your body's the problem and oh my God, I'm never gonna have sex again. And I can't please my partner and they're gonna break up with me and then I'm gonna end up single and I'm gonna have 16 cats when I'm 50 years old and oh my God, what's going on? Well, how much of that is soothing you? And, turning your nervous system and quieting it down none of it right it just it feeds the fear it feeds the anxiety we start living in this horrible fear-based future so learning through this accurate knowledge the accurate assessment and through soothing your body and feeling your emotions in real time we can say okay those are just thoughts i don't have to believe them I don't have to identify myself as them. I am not my thoughts. They are just things that drift by. Mm -hmm. So calming down the thinking is important, right? And a good way to combine soothing the body and calming down the thinking, a technique that I like to call thought watching. I didn't make it up, but I, I found it and I like it. So thought watching is literally just sitting and breathing at a comfortable pace, no structure, no counting necessary. But just a little more filling your lungs with air, breathing it out, and then just watch your thoughts with no emotional attachment, no reaction, no need to stop them, no need to fix them, no need to resolve them or do anything with them, but you can just watch them. And when you learn to do this combined with a calm, relaxed, soothed body, you're sending messages of safety that say, even the thinking's okay. Because look, he or she is not freaking out as a result of these sometimes scary and dark thoughts. So you see how the whole knowledge, the assessment, making it personal to you, combined with teaching your brain that emotions are safe, soothing your body, and calming down your thinking, are all geared towards what? Not healing, but teaching your brain 
you can settle down the nervous system now because there's not any danger. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And those are things that we can proactively do. I just want to say that one of the reasons I believe that so many people have a hard time, including myself, feeling their feelings is because we've also been conditioned to believe that we're supposed to be happy, in a good mood, productive, energized all the time. So whenever we feel not that way, whenever we feel anxious or tired or angry, we're immediately thinking of ways to change that feeling. How, what can I do to become happy? What can I do to become, uh, to have more energy? Like all of these thoughts that we, that, that we, we automatically put into our head to say, I can't feel this way. I need to feel 100% all the time. And I, I am fully aware that I do that a lot. But I think like a huge realization for me, and, and this is exactly what you were saying and something that I really believe is so crucial in in all of this and for everyone to hear is like if you're anxious or in pain or tired like that's okay that's a normal feeling like people we're supposed to feel these things we're not supposed to feel perfect 100 percent of the time that's never going to happen so it's like we have to release that thought pattern and that belief system because that's just not how humans operate yeah i agree yeah yeah there's you know there's uh two things that kind of popped up for me as you were, I guess, explaining that, mm-hmm. um, the curse of the shoulds, I should feel this mm-hmm. way. I should feel that way. Yeah. I should feel this way. I shouldn't do that. I'm supposed to be happy. And so I'm not feeling very happy now. So, you know, it's the resistance. Yeah, exactly. To what is, and that's all based on the belief of what we think we should be. Right. Right. And so I'm going to suggest this phrase that you may want to write down. Give yourself permission to be human. Mm. We're not robots. We're not perfect. We were never designed to be. We have emotions, regardless of what your spiritual beliefs are. This is how humans are. We're Mm -hmm. emotional beings. So fighting that and trying to make yourself an unemotional being is possibly why we're in this mess to begin with now look it's not your fault it's not anybody's fault we are the way we are because of all of our life experiences up until this point yeah um i have a video called emotions are safe if you go to my youtube channel find the magnifying glass and search for emotions are safe there's a little exercise there that will kind of help you dissect what you believe about yourself if you feel angry angry or sad or ashamed or whatever it's a useful thing to do because if we can decide and reframe that emotions make me human i'm perfectly normal as opposed to negative emotions make me broken crazy like my angry dad or insane like my mother and brother who have bipolar right if we can understand why we've got these perceptions about negative emotions and reframe it to say nope i'm just a normal human being and there's anger and rage and sadness and shame and grief and guilt all around the place, especially if we're dealing with things like pelvic pain and the shame and the, the guilt. You feel guilty because you can't have sex with your partner. And right, all those things we talked about earlier about what does that mean about me? Um, 
it seems like we're we're really in this tangled up mess in this web but at the core of it Mm -hmm. the things that i'm sharing with you will say all right maybe we're not all tangled up maybe we're just looking at it wrong yeah that's it i think i think the most ironic part of of this all is that when we have those emotions like that's when we're learning the most that's you know when everything's perfect and we're happy and and there's not a care in the world like obviously those times are amazing too but when we really like learn and grow and heal and evolve is when we have those what you would could call negative emotions but they're really not negative they're really like the learning emotions yeah and it's almost like society's kind of screwed up by labeling them positive and negative emotions because you know they're just emotions they are all just emotions there's no meaning to emotions other than the meaning you assign to them and unfortunately based on our upbringing you know the the meaning was pre-assigned when you know from birth probably through seven years old when most of the subconscious belief systems we have were kind of installed in our brain automatically without even any of our awareness or permission Mm -hmm. yeah and the people that are listening to your podcast and reading books and learning all this stuff and watching videos you're in an awesome place because you are open to the idea that things can change Mm -hmm. i can change my my view of the world can shift we can pivot we can learn something new so we don't have to stay this person who's got all of these misguided but well-meaning but misguided beliefs about our bodies and our emotions and our, our mental capabilities and everything else. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you're not, it's not your fault that you're messed up. But I will say if we stay messed up with all the wealth of information out there, that's kind of on us. So yeah. kudos to you for sharing this information. Kudos to your audience for listening and, and, and realizing and knowing deeply that there's a way out. I'm going to find it. Mm -hmm. right right let me just share this one thing the purpose of pain is really important Mm -hmm. pain is designed to stop us from doing anything that their brain perceives is dangerous so simple example you touch a hot stove your brain is going to give you screaming hot pain why the brain perceives you're going to burn yourself you're going to melt your skin that will be bad so you get instant turns on a dime pain well, the minute you yank your hand away and you look at it and go, oh, good, I'm not burnt, the pain's gone instantly. What what caused all that? It's the brain's perception of danger. It turns on and off instantly. So in the case of sexual trauma, the brain is well aware of that sexual trauma. And in many cases, not all, but many cases, the brain perceives that sex is dangerous and therefore will create pain and sexual trauma can be as much as just shame around it raised religiously and taught that you know you're not supposed to have a sexual life unless you're married and even after marriage Mm -hmm. it's you know sex is to have kids and not to be enjoyed and who knows what kind of programming we've received so there's even shame about sex or having an awkward experience that was perfectly fine and and you know, your partner was perfectly gentle and kind, but it was still awkward. 
even those are perceived as tra- traumatic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to the brain. And so it doesn't have to be anything horrific like rape or assault or anything like that. It could, it could just be that, wow, sex is awkward and I don't like that. And based on everything else in my life, feeling awkward makes me feel like I don't fit in. And you know how it all combines and, you know, um, you know, it, it can, it can be perceived by the brain as anything sexual is dangerous. So right. let's make sure she doesn't go there. Yeah. Right. That's a really good point. Yeah. And I mean, so one other thing that I've also heard you talk about that I, I want to touch upon quickly is the the fact that you don't have to involve everyone in your healing. And I think this is really important because when people have been in pain and on a healing journey for an extended period of time, it's usually their inclination to be telling everyone what's going on. I mean, I don't want to say everyone, but usually you're talking about it. And then I think it gets even more so prevalent when you find out about mind-body medicine work and TMS and you're like, oh my God, I found the answer. This is amazing. And you're telling people about it and talking about it and sharing it. And I think that that is almost like really counterproductive. And and as I said, I know you talk about this. I think it's just an important point to touch upon. No, and and that's, that's perfect. So I probably have a video somewhere in the 600 plus videos I've done that says how to talk about pain. Right. And the net answer, I may have gone on and on about it for about eight, 10 minutes, but the net answer is don't. Don't. Yeah, I agree. Don't. <laughs> you know, um, if somebody's always asking you, hey, how's your pain today? Say, I'm doing good. Thanks. How are you? What's going on in your world? <laughs> yeah. And change the topic. Yeah. You, know, you go to a family gathering or a party or, you know, pre-COVID, but, you know, you go to a party and people are like, oh, my God, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing? So I'm good. I'm good. What's going on with you? Change the topic. You don't have to talk about it all day. Guess what? It's not fun for you to talk about it all day. All it does is keep you focused on the problem. And what does that do? It reinforces the belief that you're broken. Mm. And now all of a sudden, instead of enjoying yourself and, you know, engaging with the outside world and connecting with others, you're now dragging down the whole damn party because you're talking about how awful your pain is. Yeah. And and I'm not saying that in a negative way, like you don't want to be a drag, but I'm sorry. You know, some people just that's what they do they wake up in the morning they talk to their spouse or their kids or their parents or the whomever and they're so focused on their pain all day long so brings out another point the brain's job the brain is designed to keep us safe and alive but it will also wire the things that we spend the most time focused upon right so The last two key points of my recipe, if you will, are indifference, right? So you're feeling some symptoms today. Maybe it's a little worse than it was yesterday. There's three different ways that you can respond to pain. One is you freak out. Oh my God, my pain's worse. What happened? What did I do? Did I do something? Oh my God, I ate that food. I ate this. Maybe I, maybe I'm constipated. I don't know, something. Mm -hmm. And we jump to the conclusion we have to figure it out. As opposed to saying, and that's freak out. So freaking out never anybody got anybody better, right? Because freaking out just raises adrenaline, cortisol, amplifies the nervous system. And before you know it, your brain is spinning on all the what ifs, what if, what if. 
There's absolutely nothing calming about that because you're absolutely freaking out because symptoms changed or increased or moved or whatever. Um, so freak out is one of the ways we can respond to our symptoms. The opposite end of the spectrum, which is what I recommend, is indifference. Literally going, okay, whatever. Yeah. Here we go again. I've had this for three years or ten years or whatever. No big deal. Doesn't matter. I know what it is, and so I'm going to choose not to give a shit today. And people will go, but Dan, you don't understand. It's so painful, and I can't have sex with my husband or partner, and I can't do this, and I can't do that. I can't be indifferent. There's no way I can be indifferent. You're crazy. You don't understand. Okay. So you can't be indifferent. You can move towards it. You can move away from the freak out, which nobody ever got better by freaking out, and start moving towards indifference. Well, what's in between? A nice, calm, reassuring approach, right? It's okay, Hannah. You're going to be okay. Right. How do, you, how do you know that? Because you've studied. You know what this mind-body disorder is. You've, you've done the assessments. You know, you're written on every page of those books. Mm -hmm. This is absolutely what's going on with you, and your only job is to calm down. So we're not going to freak out today because we tried that for the past three years and it didn't help so we're going to try a different approach which is to teach ourselves that you're actually okay and yes it's massively uncomfortable and the sensations are freaky and weird and get our attention and that's okay i will never tell anybody to ignore their pain because it's virtually impossible and if you think you have to ignore your pain to get better you're never going to get better because you're always going to say well i'm noticing my pain dan told me i'm supposed to ignore it so i'll never get better and before you know it you're stuck so you don't have to ignore the pain. It's not even possible. But you can choose your response to it. Right. You can either freak out, you can reassure yourself, and ideally work closer and closer towards this, okay, whatever, I have a headache today, or I have a pelvic uh, flare-up today. Mm -hmm. No big deal. And, yeah. and then what is that doing? It is giving your brain a message of safety. And then focus. The brain wires what we focus on, right? What we focus on tends to grow and magnify. So are you gonna to wanna to focus on your pain all day? No, you don't wanna talk about it all day either. Why? Because the more you use those neural pathways, the more the brain keeps it wired. And so that's why, you know, the, the concept of indifference and focus really matter because what we're doing is saying, this doesn't matter. And I'm going to shift my attention back to living life. And yeah, maybe I can't have sex with my partner right now, but we're going to have a good time. Mm -hmm. We're going to snuggle. We're going to hang out and uh, we're going to laugh. Yeah. We're going to watch a comedy. We're going to do something that will bring us closer together. And, you know, how do you talk to your partner about this stuff? Say, oh my God, I'm finally on the right track. I don't know when, how long it's going to take but I know we'll get there. Mm -hmm. And so we're not going to talk about it over and over and over again, 85 times. Don't ask me six times a day. Can we have sex today? Can we have sex today? No, I'll let you yeah. know. Right. But all of this stuff, the knowledge, the assessment, the acceptance of it, feeling your emotions, soothing your body with breathing, meditation, if you like that yoga, if you like that, getting out in nature, sitting in the sunshine, taking a walk, walk your dog, whatever, soothe your body, but calm down your thinking. Stop believing all these negative thoughts. You can just watch them float by 
We got seventy to eighty thousand thoughts a day. You don't have to. You don't have to do anything with them. You can literally just let them go by. Yeah. That's, right? Yeah. And then on to the indifference. Indifference means so much. One quick story. Uh, a lady who I didn't even coach, but she showed up on my, uh, I think a Facebook comment, said, oh my God, my headaches are so much better. I used to have migraines three days a week. And each time I'd get one, it knocked me out for a day and a half, which is four and a half days a week worth of laying in bed with the blinds closed and hiding under the covers to protect herself from these migraines. And while she was in bed, her head throbbed anyway, right? So one day she says, all right, I've been listening to Dan. He talks about this indifference stuff and focusing on living life. So I feel a migraine coming on just like I always do. So instead of running back to the bedroom, pulling the blinds and hiding under the blanket for a day and a half, I'm going to make breakfast. Mm. So she did and her head was pounding. And then she says, all right, I'm going to clean up the dishes. And her head was pounding. She's, of course, having doubts. Was this a good idea? But she says, all right, I can go back to bed, but it's going to hurt there anyway. So what else do I want to do? Looked outside, saw some bushes bushes that needed trimming. So she literally went outside and started trimming the hedges. She said an hour later when she was done, her headache was mostly gone. And by 2 o'clock, it was totally gone. Wow. So she took something that typically lasted about 36 hours and kept her locked in bed the whole time and simply says, well, whatever, I'm going to hurt anyway. So I may as well get something done. And within about five or six hours, it was gone. That's amazing. What was the difference? One thing, a message of safety. She said to her brain, clearly through her actions and through her response, I got this. I'm okay. Don't worry about it. I'm going to go make breakfast, clean the dishes, and go trim the hedges. And the brain went, oh, good. Look, she's okay. Because if you're shaking in your boots, laying in bed with the blanket over you and the blinds closed, the brain's perception is... Oh my God, these headaches are really dangerous. Oh no, oh no, oh no. It's going to keep it going. Yeah. The brain perception of danger is what turns pain on or keeps it persistent. It's our job to say to the brain, there's nothing broken. My pelvis is fine. It's not a big deal. Right? Yeah. People will say, how long is this going to take? Okay, it depends. Depends on what? Depends on how long it takes for you to convince yourself that you're actually okay. Right. If you're constantly sitting on the fence going, but I was told pudendal neuralgia, and if you keep on walking around all day long using the medical labels, instead of this mind-body disorder syndrome or TMS, if you keep on going pudendal neuralgia, pelvic floor dysfunction, using the medical labels, your brain's listening. Mm-hmm. It's going to constantly think body, body, body. And if you keep on going back to the therapist and the pain management people and everything else, you're telling the brain, body, body, body. Mm -hmm. I need somebody to fix me. Right? So Sarno's, one of his core principles was stop physical treatments. Why? It confuses the brain. We want to be very clear. Clarity matters. So be clear with the brain that I'm okay. I got this. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. And in terms of this is something this is a question that i get a lot and it relates to tms and and mind body stuff but basically when someone when a woman let's say has pelvic pain they think that you know if they have bladder urgency it's a uti or if they have any sort of like vaginal discomfort it's a yeast infection or another infection and um i mean what i have been told by 
you know, like some therapists I've worked with who have been super helpful and just like a practice that I've learned is before you start freak, if you wake up one morning and you feel any of those symptoms before you start freaking out and assuming that, you know, you have an infection or you need to go to the doctor and get a test, like use the tools pretty much that you've just explained and give it a day or two or three and see, like you'll live with an infection for a few days. So give it a few days, do use all of these tools, tell yourself you're okay, soothe yourself in whatever way works for you. And if in three days from now you still don't feel well, okay, maybe then you could go see if you have a UTI. But that's what people keep asking me is like, how does the TMS stuff really come into into play when I think I have an infection? But I really think, as you said, it's the same thing. It's like, if you don't give yourself a period of time to just not freak out about it. Yeah. So I also want to bring up another point. When we are under the stress response, fight or flight, right? You've heard those terms before. Mm-hmm. Uh, sympathetic, parasympathetic nervous systems. Um, when we are in the fight or flight stress response, the brain optimizes everything for survival, which basically means eyes dilate, breathing quickens, heart rate increases, blood pressure goes up, major muscle groups fill with blood so that you can fight or flee. Guess what happens also? The immune system gets shut down. Yeah. The digestive system gets shut down. Why do you think so many people with IBS, it's really just chronic stress. Their digestive system has been chronically suppressed. Digestive enzymes, saliva production, they're all massively shut down. No wonder you can't digest your food and you end up with constipation or diarrhea, right? And so the immune system, if you're constantly worried about frequent repetitive infections, or even worse, these mysterious embedded infections that, you know, these damn doctors convince people they have, and they go on 16 courses of antibiotics over six months, and they still have this quote unquote, you know, embedded infection, those things are terrifying, right? And so guess what freaking out is going to do? It's going to suppress your immune system, which Mm -hmm. means you're even less equipped to deal with it if in fact there is any bacteria in there that's causing an infection yeah so the the approach that you suggested was all right let's chill out let's calm down um i like to view this as kind of like a pre-trip checklist and say okay i've got symptoms what do i need to do you want to get medical clearance for a non-invasive mind-body approach what does that look like well you know, somebody with back pain. If you didn't fall down, there's nothing dramatic there, but let's do an MRI. Good. There's no tumors. You don't have any heart condition or strokes or anything else that could be life-threatening or disastrous, right? So we rule out the life-threatening, the catastrophic stuff, and then you rule in this thing called mind-body syndrome, right? And I gave you a couple of resources for that earlier. And I will tell you this, medical labels, Terms like pudendal neuralgia, you know, embedded UTI infection. Um, What else? Pelvic floor dysfunction. These are medical terms that the insurance companies use so they know how to code your doctor's visit. Well, if you've already learned about this mind-body syndrome and you have done the assessments and you've concluded that, yeah, this totally makes sense to me, calling it those medical labels. Those medical labels don't mean anything. 
okay, so I've got some pain down there as a result of too much stress, TMS, too much stress. And in some cases, I've, I've coined the acronym TMT, too much thinking, <laughs> right? And so please stop using medical labels. Why? Because it just convinces the brain further that there's a physical problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I know these things sound like I'm being very dismissive, of all the medical diagnoses you've had, and you've been to 18 specialists, and they've all told you that it's pudendal neuralgia. But what if they don't just don't know what this mind-body stuff is, which they don't because it's not taught in medical school and it's not in their textbooks. It's not in their diagnostic criteria. And so, look, learn about this mind-body syndrome. Rule it in. Get medical clearance to do a non-invasive mind body emotionally based thought based approach to treating your symptoms and teaching your body that you're okay so that the body can do what it does which is take care of itself but my point is you don't need a perfect life you don't need to eliminate all stress you don't need to quit your job and live in your bedroom to get better no we can still have stress i'm still a normal person with normal stress and i haven't had chronic pain for 11 years yeah and I had 13 years of it. So that's available to everybody who's listening and Thank countless you. others. Thank you so much for being here today. Where can everyone contact you and, again, find your work? All right. So on Facebook, search for Pain Free You private group. You'll find it. You can join the group. Um, on YouTube, you can search for Pain Free You channel. You can subscribe there, get notifications. Um on YouTube, there's a videos link. There you'll find the archive of everything I've done. There's a great search feature in YouTube. It's easier to search there than on Facebook, but go into the Pain For You channel, hit the magnifying glass and type in keywords, whether it be anxiety, whether it be, you know, whatever. Um, and you'll find a bunch of videos relating to that topic. So that's a great way of digging into some of the content. If you would like an intro into TMS and this mind-body stuff, painforyou.com. There's an intro video about 20 minutes long if you want to share this with somebody who's like, might be here, but they don't want to spend six hours reading a book by Dr. Sarno. 20-minute video. Here's an intro as to how pain starts, how it becomes chronic. You know, I am a little bit more centric towards back pain because that was my experience. Mm -hmm. But... I mean, I've got people in my community that are getting better from all sorts of stuff because TMS is TMS is TMS. It's all the same. And the solution um, is all the same. And it doesn't matter if you did something and the pain flared. You don't have to figure out why. So you can avoid that trigger. Just the solution is always the same. Remind yourself that it's just TMS. Soothe your body. Feel your emotions. Calm your thinking. Be as indifferent as possible. Walk away from the freak out. Shift your focus back to living your life. These are all messages of safety. And believe it or not, this stuff works consistently Mm -hmm. when you can do these things. And nothing that I just mentioned took more than 15 seconds to run through. This is not complicated. Right? There's not 75,000 moving parts. Teach your brain that your body's already okay and that your emotions are safe. And your job is to calm down and go have some fun. Thank you. That makes sense? Yes, it does. It was so helpful. And I cannot wait for everyone to hear this because yeah. there's there's so much that 
that can be taken away from this conversation. Thank you again yeah. for being here and for taking all one of last, this time. One last yeah. thing. I am trying to finish up my book, so hopefully yeah. that should be available for purchase Amazing. by the end of January. That's exciting. Uh, so if you're following me, you'll hear about it. Um, awesome. So listen, Hannah, I appreciate you. <laughs> this was a lot of fun. It Thank was a little you. bit more geared towards women's stuff than I'm used to talking about. <laughs> hopefully I did that justice. You did. Thank uh, you so much. So if you need anything else, you know where to find me. Awesome. Um, this was fun, though, and hopefully to anybody listening, I like to wrap it up with this. Relax. You're not broken. Not physically, not mentally, not emotionally. You're on the right path. Just keep going. Thank you, Dan. I really appreciate it. <laughs> All right, Hannah. Talk to you soon. I appreciate you. Take care. This podcast is for educational purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other healthcare professional services, including the giving of medical advice. During the episodes, no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Listeners should seek the assistance of their healthcare provider for any concerns or questions they have.